All rise in the courtroom and to those listening on stream for the dishonorable badger is entering the scene. Apparently doing this as a day job simply was not enough. So let your jaws drop to the floor cause we can't make this stuff up. Welcome back to the legal fun house. We put the fun in dysfunctional. It's crazy in the legal fun house but weirdly educational. But every single one is remarkably true. to law school and is more than qualified to talk about the strangest cases from the strangest people alive and the friend that he brought along barely past eighth grade whose legal experience lies within parking in the fire lane welcome back to the legal fun house we're just as confused as you it's finally time for the legal fun house and without further ado Every single one is remarkably true. It's Boozy's Legal Funhouse. It's Boozy's Legal Funhouse. It's Boozy's Legal Funhouse. It's Boozy's Legal Funhouse. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Boozy's Legal Funhouse. I know we're a little late in recording and getting it up, but that's because, once again, my certified legal layman is horrible at keeping a schedule. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. What's that schedule? Is that my Excel page? There's numbers on it. Which number were you? Yeah, Four? I, was, I was the one in negatives at this point. That sounds about yeah. right. <laughs> what month are we in right this, now? It's June. It's June. We are- okay, so good news. I bought a new clock. <laughs> I have a clock on the wall now. It does not tell the time. It's literally the day of the week. This is really going to help. Genuinely, it has gotten me out of three sticky situations so far. <laughs> I don't know how to feel about that, but it's working. So we're, uh, I, I, uh, First, I am your host, the Boozy Badger, and with me, as always, is our certified legal layman, Alkali. Say hi, Alkali. Hello, everyone. And well, you're listening right now to Boozy's Legal Funhouse, where I'm just going to go ahead and say it because I already flubbed up a line. Uh, we record it live, and I hate editing, so no second takes. Fair enough. Just, just no second takes whatsoever. <laughs> it is June the 19th as we sit here and record this. We should have recorded it last week. We didn't. We're, we're horrible people. Nope. Just, just terrible. Just worse sort of people, which makes it fun because if you, uh, if you happen to be at Anthrocon, which is uh, Anthrocon is a furry fandom convention held every year on the weekend of July the fourth, uh, either the one immediately preceding or immediately afterwards, depending where in the week July the fourth falls. Yeah. And it will be occurring next week, actually, the week after we record this. And I believe that Thursday night we have a live recording of Boozy's Legal Funhouse that's actually live. Not just live online, but live in a room with other people. Uh, so that's got to be a shit show. Oh, yeah. That's going to be loud as hell. Yeah. Just horrible. Uh, 
we might have our own legal funhouse right there. Right there, just right there. Uh, but that one won't be released till after the end of Pride Month. And we're in Pride Month now, and uh, I've done away with episode numbers. Just very bluntly, oh, just, just we're giving up on those. I, I got a notice from the, from uh, the podcast provider that's like all these podcasting services are doing away with episode numbers. So stop fucking putting them in your episodes. Uh, so, oh. so so I, I've stopped. That there's there's no episode. Honestly, numbers Honestly, this is way easier for you. Not only do you not like editing, counting really isn't your yeah, thing. You know, I've like. How many times have we opened with it? I'm like, it's episode 32, and you like your eyes get big on the video, and I'm like, ah, shit, it's episode 34, isn't it? <laughs> hey, you know what? You're still in single digit misses. That's not bad. We we published the 200th episode of the Dragon Show. Somebody came back to us like, you know, you're on 200 and like 19. Oh, really? Yeah, if you count these, like, well, we don't count those. No, we count when we want to, so the number's right. <laughs> So before we get going with today's case, and by the way, the title of today's episode, and this is going to appeal to you for Pride Month, uh, is oh. Boozy's Legal Funhouse Constitutional Sodomy. I, all right, hold on. I've got, I shouldn't be wearing a shirt for this one, but we're going to just for class. All right, we're ready. <laughs> kind of interesting you're bringing this up since uh, for a day off, I just went to a gay camp. Yeah, I know. And, uh, I, I saw the pictures. Um <laughs> yeah. Oh, those are Ill- those are legal online. No, no, no. I, I saw I'd be getting a call. From I you. saw the clean pictures from your account. <laughs> um, ah, excellent. I like where this is going. It's I. Uh, I was looking online and Alkali last week. And I'm like, hey, can we record Friday? He's like, oh yeah, no, Friday's good. Well, first it was let's record Monday, and then it's like, dude, Monday's just no good. And I'm like, that's fine. That's fine. What day? He's like, how about Thursday? And I go, okay, yeah, no, Thursday works. <laughs> Thursday works. And then Thursday morning, it's like, dude, I, uh, there's shit going on, and I'm so tired. I'm like, that's cool. I'll just tell our Patreon supporters once again that, yep. <laughs> that, that Alkali's fucked worst. up his schedule. Then he's like, well, we'll do it Friday. Like, we may go out of town this weekend, but Friday morning, I'm going to have time. And I'm like, well, why don't we do early Friday afternoon? Because, you know, I'm not unemployed. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, I forget that sometimes. you got to fix that. And he goes, yeah, no, no, no. You keep doing the show, it'll fix itself. Trust yeah. me. Early, early Friday afternoon, that works, that works. And then, like, early Friday afternoon, dude, can we do it? And I'm like, yes, motherfucker. Yes, we can change it again. And I'm like, jeez, I hope everything's okay. I hope my friend is fine. I hope there's nothing really serious going on. And then I got on social media, and a mutual friend of ours posted a picture online. It's like, we're at a gay campground with a bunch of gay people. And uh, and in the background of that photo, there is fucking alkali and his partner with like a drink in hand i'm like you son of a bitch (laughs) if it makes you feel any better going to the gay campground was the solution to the problem (laughs) i don't know how to describe that without getting too deep that was the solution to the problem we can't can't go that deep on a general audience not even on this show not even on this show oh (laughs) Before we get going, as always, I do have to give you the standard legal funhouse disclaimer. First of all, I'm a lawyer. I am not your lawyer. The way that I would become your lawyer is you would come into my office, you would sit down with me, you would tell me your problem, I would agree to represent you, hand you an engagement letter, you would sign it and pay me a retainer of my choosing. You can't just PayPal me a dollar and say I'm your lawyer, not how it fucking works. At that point, I would be your attorney. However, I don't accept private clients. So I can never be your lawyer. 
Boozy's Legal Funhouse is an educational, informational, and hopefully entertaining discussion of law and basic legal concepts. It is not legal advice. No attorney-client privilege attaches to anything here. Nothing here should be construed as legal advice. If you have a legal problem, I suggest strongly that you go and find a licensed attorney in your jurisdiction and go through all of the steps I just described with them. For the love of God, do not say a fat man who acts like a cartoon badger online told me this. It will not go over well for you. May I uh, add a quick addendum? Go go right ahead. If you are tuning into this show in any capacity, you should know my role on this show. If you are asking me for legal advice in any capacity, you've already made enough mistakes that you should get a lawyer. Yeah, like it, it, it came up this weekend. <laughs> the response was, well, you're on the law show. I asked them, do you listen to the law show? They said, I'm getting to it. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. well, but you're on the law show. I'm like, do you know what I do on the law show? Yeah. Like, my job is to be the dipshit. That's, yes. That's I am the I'm the stand-in here for everyone else. <laughs> that's I'm great. I'm the representation of America, gay, unemployed, and angry. Something something I used to say when I was in private practice, and a client would say, "Oh, um, but my friend told me this," and I would say, um, "Well, what law school did your friend go to?" Uh, Well, they didn't go to law school. I said, oh, okay. So let me just put it this way. Between me, you, and your friend, there's one attorney in this situation. And it's not, it's not you because you're here (laughs) and it's not your friend. Maybe we need to to leaven that expectation. So So just to throw it out there, because they might listen to this show. I need to ask the legal question that was presented to me. Go right ahead. It is Pride Month. This is an appropriate question. All right. The Free the Titty movement, which may be a movement that I had just come up with a few weeks ago and we are using constantly, has started to catch on in our small communities. Okay. This weekend at the campsite, it's not an all-male thing. There were many of the fairer gender there, and they chose to embrace Free the Titty. All right. And it was brought up. That if there's an M on your driver's license, no matter what you have modded yourself into, that it is perfectly okay. And I told them, maybe don't ask me that question as Zan is stripping <laughs> off their shirt. So I need to know, M on the license, driver's license and double D tits. Well, Can first, you free the titty? First of all, let me ask. Uh, yes. Because you, you were at a gay campground, correct? Oh, no, no, the nudity was fine there. Yeah, okay. The situation yeah, was fine. The that's the first question. Yes. Uh, honestly, it's it's amazing. You're like, we came up with the Free the Titty movement, and I'm going like, no. Free the titty. Like, you didn't, by the way. Um, that's been a movement for oh, like... No, no, totally me. Yeah, that's been a movement for like 20, 30 years now. <laughs> I, and I'm 40 years old. Totally me. Like, Oh, yes. 10-year-old you was sitting there going, I'm gay, but Free the Titty. Free the titty! Oh, I was very closeted at 10. Yeah, that does sound like yeah, You know me. what I like? Optimus Prime yeah. and boobs. Just boobs yeah. in the wind. Um, but but it, that's actually a that's a good question. Um, right? And it, it is one of those state-by-state state things, to be honest. Okay. It, it really is. Uh, there are some states that have written that law in a manner that, no, it, it, it would be fine. 
funny. There are other states that would not. It, it, you raise an interesting question, uh, which is uh, if you're trans and you haven't gotten around to legally changing your gender designator, and it's okay. Yep. Like I've got breasts. I'm fat. Oh, I got I got here. I got man boobs here. Uh, and if I take my shirt off at the public pool, it's not an issue because yeah. there is that M. So it, that's a good question. And I, right. I'll be honest, I don't know if it's come up. Uh, I would love to look into it. We may do that on a future future episode now that you've brought it up. Yeah, I, well, I will let you know that it got brought up amongst a large group. It was brought up that I run a legal show, which I do not. And uh, my answer was, let's look it up. To which I went, well, he said it's okay. And I walked away. Yeah, no, so, that's, uh, that's a good idea. And then, you, know, the, you run a legal show. Number one, not, not an accurate description of my participation. Um, not even close. I'm a co-host. I'm not the one I'm with the law license. Shows yeah, barely shows up. Yeah, barely I'm not the one with the law license. Just want to be the no, clear. No, I mean, <laughs> I have a law license, but it's kind of in crayon. It's got some strambouli yeah, on it right one. now. So. You just wrote it oh, down. Oh, I had to. I mean, I'm on the show. I, I do my homework. So, making fake licenses. But before we get into everything today, let me read off the names of the supporters of the Legal Funhouse over at patreon.com slash liquor. Uh, so a special thanks to Tezcat Magic, Jag, Wayland Roche, Beaton, Those of the Trash Panda, Mama T, Uncle Kage, Evelyn Klein, Lufus the Raccoon, Netherlinks, Pandemonium, Petrov Neutrino, Andy, Buddy Good Boy, CC Otter, Chromahydra, David Hunter, Deanna Harden, Dragor, Eddie the Weather Fox, Flat Fox, Ghost Goat, Grace Jane Gollinger, Head Fox, and Jason Knight, Julie Esslinger, Just James Lack, Lever Burnett, Lorraine Poirier, Mark Whipple, Michael Blocker, Nikolai, Otto Poon, Red Fox, Rune Dog, Scuba Fox, Serathin, Silver, Takel, The Dragon Show, Tiny Voices, and Ziggy. Thank you all so, so much. If you want to be one of those wonderful people, you can do that over at patreon.com slash lawyers and liquor. Yeah. yeah. What I love about reading off that list is the uh, the juxtaposition. Like, Scuba Fox, Lorraine. (laughs) Oh, God, some of those are so funny. I had mine, I've started to memorize mine, and then we got more, and I'm like, this is the best problem ever! What I love is, like, some people are, you know, okay, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to start, I'm like, okay, that's cool, and I see their names go off, and I have to mentally correct myself when reading it, because I've been reading the same right? list over and over again on, on, like, a daily basis for years now. Uh, and then somebody else will add in. So it's like, I'm getting ready to go, uh, you know, Dark Dragon 76778... And it did like Dark Dragons fucked off somewhere. And now it's, you know, Shannon McGlinty or something. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> so, so before we get into today's cases, uh, which we do have an actual special episode for Pride Month, it's got to be one of those where we talk about multiple cases to get to the case Yay. we're talking about. I love these. Um, before we get into that, it's time for our legal news once again. Now, Alkali, you may remember the last time we spoke, there was a piece of legal news about uh, an attorney who used ChatGPT to do their legal yes. research. Uh, Loved it. And that was in New York, and that went to a hearing, and it was, I, I have read the transcript of the hearing now, by the way, like somebody put in a request for the hearing transcript and posted it online. And, oh, my God. <laughs> How did it go? Well, when the judge asked questions, like, you remember sending me a letter saying you were going on vacation and you needed more time to respond. Yes. Did you go on vacation? No. 
what? Yeah, it's like, was it this guy who was going on vacation? Yeah, yeah, it was him. So why'd you sign it? Because. <laughs> they... Oh, boy. So uh, the last I read about the case, the judge held the hearing. Um, the judge was pissed. Like, the judge was like, here's the issue. The issue isn't to me, even that you use chat GPT for the research. Okay, we, I kind of understand that. The issue to me is that once you were notified that there was a problem with the cases you cited, you then went and had ChatGPT create the cases and submitted them to this court. Oh. That is my issue. Um, the judge at the end of it said, you know, we're taking it under advisement, which means... I'm going to consider this. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna. I'm not issuing an order right now. I'm considering it. Oh, so he still hasn't. They haven't. Yeah, I, I haven't seen the order come in yet. But, Ooh. but yeah, no. It was. It was like reading through the transcript. It was a lot of throwing okay. yourself on the sword. Uh, and at the end of the day, like both of the attorneys involved were basically saying, "We've been practicing for a long time. We didn't understand Chat GPT." Uh, and is that going to lead to be somebody being disbarred? Probably not. I would hope not. I mean, this sounds like old people's like, <clears throat> I watched my dad try to double click a mouse recently. <laughs> uh, physically incapable. Yeah. I mean, it was physically like, I could totally believe <laughs> that people are like, yeah, no, it was talking to me. I thought it was a secretary. Well, and the thing is, uh, cause attorneys have a duty of candor to the tribunal. Like, okay. like, we can't lie to the court. Right. We're not allowed to. And that includes lies of omission. Like, like if I know a piece of information, I can't argue that that piece of information doesn't apply. That is a lie of omission. Oh, okay. okay. And that's especially true in arguments, all right? Here's an example. Say, uh, you know, that special court we have in Pennsylvania. The, the one where we're like, okay. you know, you're suing us, so we're making our own court to handle it. Yeah, my favorite court. I love that yeah. thing. So say that court comes back and says, oh, yeah, no, this thing's perfectly cool. All right. All and right. then somebody files a lawsuit. I cite that opinion. You know, the Commonwealth Court said it's perfectly cool. But while my lawsuit is going on, that case that I'm relying on has been appealed to the Pennsylvania Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court overturns the Commonwealth Court. Okay. My duty of candor would actually require me to tell the court, hey, that case I cited, it's been overturned. Oh, and even though it happened during even your Even though it happened. Because, trial. And just the same thing. If I cite a case and I know that there's what we call negative history that would overturn it, I can't cite that case as if there's no negative history. I need to make the court aware there is negative history there. That's interesting. Uh, it, and it's what, what if you don't yeah. know. Like, what if you cited a case you're well, in and, trial? And that's kind of different. And that's what we're getting into because um, the chat GPT lawyer thing. Yeah. Yeah, it happened again. No. It happened again. Come on. An, an attorney in Colorado Springs named, uh, you're going to love this name because I love the name here. Zachariah Crabill. Hell yes. So, Zachariah sounds like the name of a person who does not understand AI. I'm already liking this. So Zachariah Crabill is a brand new attorney. He's been licensed for a year and a half. 
and in that time, he had never handled civil litigation, a, a civil case. Okay. So he has his first civil litigation case, his very first one, right? Good for him. Uh, he's defending a guy who is accused of breaching a car payment agreement. Basically, the guy wasn't paying for his car and somebody sued him. Okay. Right? So, <clears throat> Crabble that loses a summary judgment motion, which is, uh, yeah, summary judgment is the court looks at everything before trial and then says, yeah, no, the evidence is fine. Uh, there's no way you're going to be able to show that your guy's not liable. Therefore, we're granting summary judgment. All right. Okay. Like, as a matter of law, the undisputed evidence leaves no question of fact as to liability, so I get to say, your guy's liable. Right. Okay, got it. Crabble writes something called a motion to set aside summary judgment, basically saying, hey, your honor, uh, we understand that you said this. However, we still think we should be doing this stuff. All right? We, we should okay. Think, so please set aside it. Crabble has never done one of those motions before. Young attorney, never done one before, apparently goes to chat GPT. Okay. Chat GPT cites a bunch of cases. Crabble, I, I am assuming copies and pastes. Oh, no. Submits it to the court. Oh, no. Oh, no. The day of the hearing on the motion to set aside summary judgment, Crabble leaves a message for opposing counsel that says, uh, yeah, I looked up the cases that were cited in Lexus, and I don't think they exist. Please call me. Okay, so well, he caught it. So he, he caught it himself. But he caught it the day of the hearing, and the judge still considered the motion, denied it, and has now referenced Crabble for disciplinary review. Ooh. Ooh, so he caught it a little too late there. Yeah, because he caught the court still looked late. at it. So what do you do in that situation? Because he caught it, right? Right. Right? He you immediately withdraw the fucking motion. <laughs> you, you go to oh, the, he didn't withdraw. He didn't withdraw he the motion. He just called opposing it. counsel and was like, I don't think any of my cases exist. I checked oh them in my Lexus. God. Um, so the court still considered it, so he violated that duty of candor. He didn't withdraw. He didn't take an immediate corrective action. That's that's the first thing. Oh my god. Uh, it actually gets better though, because if you notice what I just said, when he called opposing counsel, he said, I checked them in Lexus and can't find them. Lexus is Lexus Nexus. Lexus Nexus is one of the premier legal research sites. And it's not difficult to use. Like it's not archaic. It's like Google for law cases. Nice. Okay. So... He had access to LexisNexis. Oh, I didn't even think of it like that. That's great. And when he asked ChatGPT to write the motion, he didn't go to Lexis and check the cases. Not only that, but while he's like, well, it's the first time I'd ever written one. I wasn't sure of how. There's a way to do that in law. Like, it's not uncommon for a young lawyer, because law school doesn't teach you how to practice law. It doesn't. It doesn't teach you how to write the motion. You learn that shit in the practice of law. Makes sense, yeah. Typically, the traditional way was you'd work under somebody who would show you how to do that. 
However, if it's your first time doing it, how are you going to find out? Well, there's something called a forms library in a lot of legal research things that gives you kind of the format of of these motions and these briefs. Oh, no. So he had access to Lexis, meaning he should have had access to the forms library. Not only that, a lot of bar associations have listservs for young or solo attorneys. And it's not uncommon for those listservs to contain an email where or a message where somebody goes in and says, hey, I'm doing this thing. I've never had to do one before. Does anyone have an example? Okay. And if, right. everything, okay. if everything else fails, Google. You know, I Googled motion for summary judgment and motion to set aside summary judgment Colorado uh, example. And I found four fucking examples right on Google. Yeah, but did your computer type it for you? You no. see, I understand. There you go. And that is the issue. Uh, you know, oh, no, that, and I agree yeah, with you, you. That's the issue because I genuinely don't believe that these guys knew that they were doing anything other than Googling yeah. and having Google type it out for them. Like, do they really well, that, understand? That's, what that's the guys in New York. This guy in Colorado, though, a year and a half license, is a young guy. Oh, yeah, no, <laughs> this, you're right. This, you're right. This is, and, 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 like, the guys in New York were, like, we we lost our federal case access to our research service because we weren't using it enough, and our firm, like, decided to cut the fee, and nobody realized it. Uh, oh, this guy sitting here in Colorado, like, yeah, I looked it up on Lexus. And the moment he okay. said, the moment he said that, I'm like, I have no sympathy. Because <laughs> if you have Lexus, you know how to do legal research. Uh, you just didn't want to because you didn't know how to do the motion. So you asked an AI to write it for you. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. You know, the worst part is if this keeps happening, you're going to get a smart lawyer who's going to mate chat gp law that's like okay the only difference between this and chat gpt real cases I, all right we solved it i i think that the the outcome is more likely to be uh a lot of legal malpractice insurers what we call professional uh professional responsibility insurers which okay. is legal malpractice it's, it's a legal malpractice yeah. insurance um uh, i think a lot of them are going to come in and start saying yeah don't you can't use chat gpt <laughs> we we want to know what research services you're using. Awesome. That's oh man. Because oh, man. because that's and the moment you do that, the moment it goes from insurance will handle it if you fuck up to you're going to be responsible for because insurance is going to say no. Our policy specifically disclaimed this. That's when you're going to see a lot of people changing how they use it, and that's going to be the death of. Uh, of legal AI for a long period of time because people keep doing it, not really. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, not realizing that these aren't research services. These are like yeah. conversation modelers. Yes. And it's, it'll just make shit up to respond to your request. It's it's just a way to make it sound like a person is talking to you while Googling something. It's right. obviously more complicated than that, but when it really comes down to it, and I think that's a lot of the problems that people are running into who don't understand it. It's like, oh, this is a very friendly Google. It's like, it's not Google. Stop it. Not not Google. Not actually searching fucking it out. It's like, well, all these cases can be found in LexisNexis and Westlaw, which is a real response the AI gave in the New York case. 
See, now that one's crazy to me. And I'm like, are you telling me that ChatGPT has a Lexus and Westlaw subscription? Because I don't think it does. I, like... I've looked at the cost of those. I know how much Lexus and Westlaw subscriptions cost, and yeah. I'm pretty fucking sure ChatGPT doesn't have one. So that's so funny. Uh, so that that's the one is ChatGPT continues to run rampant through the ranks of lawyers uh, and fucking up people's careers. All right, so it's destroying lawyers, artists, authors. Oh man, we make the best tech, right? Right, but it's like somebody said, you know, it'd be great if this, uh, if this modeler just destroyed all professional careers that we could. Oh my god! Like it's the fucking grim. Like I, I want an image of Chat GPT walking down. Y'all like that Grim Reaper image where it's walking down the hall, knocking on doors, and there's some yes. you know, artists, writers, and then it's just knocking on lawyers. <laughs> Love it. Okay, we're making this. Uh, you know, we'll have Jet GPT make it. There we yeah, go. Yeah, there Easy. we go. We'll, oh, we'll ask the man. AI modeler to make our fucking memes for us from now on. If, if you would like to hear a wonderful anecdote that we just went through, we asked Zanny's mother because she is a artist, like really good dude. Really, Zan gets it from their mom. Ask them, hey, we just want a really cute drawn picture of our two characters from the Dragon Show. And we're going to throw background behind it and make it a banner. Like, would you like to do that? Would you like to know her response? Uh, yes. I talked it over with your father, and he was wondering, why don't you just use some AI to draw that? <laughs> dude. 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 Uh, okay, first off, yeah, the laughter was a bit too much. But second off, just the idea... They're just like, oh, your professional show? Just type something into a box. That'll be perfect. That's just Zanny's mom wanting to say, I'm not drawing your animal people for you. Totally okay. We were reaching out an olive branch. We wanted, it's like, oh, this will be something really nice for us to bond over. Have you tried ruining your career? Yeah, you know, maybe I don't understand what these furries do, but just oh use the God. AI. <laughs> Just use the AI. Use the AI. <laughs> oh, it killed us. It killed us. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I, I love that idea. Okay. So uh, let, let's uh, let's talk about condoms. Okay. All right. Let's, uh, let's go all the way back to uh, the 20th century, really the turn of the 20th century, and a, a gentleman named Comstock. Oh, good name, Comstock. Have you ever heard of Comstock? Yeah, it's uh, dot Comstock. It was uh, kind of wild for a little while, leveled out. Pretty shitty now. Well, the Comstock laws were laws that were set up uh, back in like the 1870s. All right. All right. And uh, the way the Comstock laws worked, they were all kind of put in place by a gentleman named Comstock, Anthony Comstock. Uh, he was a U.S. postal inspector. And he hated vice. Vice? Vice. Uh, you know, drugs, porn. Oh, vices. Okay. But yeah, vice. What, what they call vice. I never, heard singular, I never heard that as a singular term. Yeah. Vice. Oh, yeah, I no. Heard. It's, it's vi like the vice squad. 
Yeah, no, makes sense. Yeah, you know, the the, the, the police okay. the police squad that handles like prostitution and for a long time drugs did now it's narcotics, but for a long time drugs that they would call it the vice squad. You know. And, okay. Yeah. So Anthony Comstock hated Vice. Uh, he hated Vice, and uh, more particularly, he hated porn. He was not a fan of porn. He was not a fan of anything sexual, really. He he just despised anything sexual. And we all agree this probably makes him the kinkiest person we've ever met, right? So in the United States, as a postal player, he pushed for uh, anti-obscenity laws. For the U.S. Okay. mail. Uh, yeah, you can't ship anything through the U.S. mail that is obscene in nature. All right? And his definition of obscenity really was, like, anything to do with sex. Like, you couldn't sell contraceptives. Not not just porn. Not just, like, 1870s derogatypes of the Free the Titty movement. Um, Ooh, ankles! Yeah. Oh. Like, but... Anything related to sex whatsoever. Uh, and you've actually heard of the Comstock laws without hearing of them. They're, they're actually the obscenity acts, the obscenity laws in, in most states. Most states ended up adopting a version of the Comstock law uh, as a state-level law banning obscenity. And okay. it had been discussed in court before, uh, one of the most famous ones being that quote, uh, I can't define obscenity, but I know it when I see it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's from a legal thing? Yeah. Okay. That, that's that's from a case regarding uh, the sending of pornography through the mail. And whether or, not it, whether or not it qualified as obscene material. I'm glad we fixed this before Tom of Finland. Also, dear God, am I old. Oh, so, God. the Connecticut had, had adopted their version of... The Comstock Laws. All right? Uh, All right. And their version of the Comstock Law banned in the state the use of any drug, medicinal article, or instrument for the purpose of preventing conception. Which would be like an abortion pill. Yeah. Or a diaphragm. Or a condom. And ships condoms through the mail. Right. Well, not yet, but we're in Connecticut now, so you can't even sell condoms. Oh, my God. You can't give them to people. And that included to married couples. There was a period of time where in the state of Connecticut, it was illegal for a married couple to use or purchase any type of contraception. Why? Right? So, these clinics are being set up. This is in place like... 1873. All right. Okay. Uh, And the result of the states with these Comstock laws was physicians just wouldn't provide any birth control materials. They they didn't engage in any literature about it. Uh, They wouldn't give any advice on how to prevent pregnancy. Uh, They wouldn't prescribe any contraceptions. Very useful. Right? Uh, And in 1914, there's this woman, Margaret Sanger, and Margaret Sanger starts saying, uh, you know, well, we need to change that. People should be allowed to not have children if they don't want to have children. Yeah, no shit. All right? Uh, And she developed, with this one 
agency in Connecticut, the Connecticut Birth Control League, this plan of attack sort of thing. Okay? Okay. And then developed something and, and helped to influence the establishment of something that we all know about, Planned Parenthood. No shit. Planned Parenthood was directly a result. Yeah. Planned Parenthood was directly a result of people challenging the Comstock laws. That's awesome. I didn't know that. So it's 1935. A uh, Planned Parenthood clinic opens in Hartford, Connecticut. All right. All right. And it starts giving advice to people who don't have a gynecologist. All right. And that includes information about artificial conception. Uh, And... Then in 1939, one of their clinics in Connecticut is told by the state, no, you have to stop doing that. You can't, you can't do anything about that. You can't uh, give contraception. Oh, my apologies. Are you talking about in its entirety or specifically about artificial insemination? Oh, no, no. In its entirety. And we're not talking artificial insemination. We're talking contraceptives. We're talking condoms. Wait a minute. We're talking diaphragms. In 1930. In 1930. 1935, wrong, actually. In 1939, okay. the state starts enforcing the Comstock Act against them, saying, no, you're giving people birth control advice. You can't do that. All right? What the fuck? In the 1940s, two different lawsuits come up. And both of those lawsuits fail on what's called a technical ground. All right? Uh, one was the, uh, the doctor had brought the lawsuit seeking to invalidate the Connecticut Comstock Acts, saying, well, if you prevent me from giving this advice to people, people whose health would be damaged by the pregnancy, would be endangered, uh, could be forced to get pregnant if you stop me from giving them birth control. Uh, The Supreme Court came back and said a doctor cannot sue on behalf of their patients and kicked it. Really? Yep. But what about his, uh, oh, the, the oath doesn't count. Right, so he and, couldn't and just something pay. called, that goes into the, the idea, though, of standing. Standing is the person who has the standing to challenge a law has to be someone who will suffer the injury from the law. Okay, okay. And the doctor wouldn't suffer the injury, their patients would. Okay. But, I mean, I, and I'm just throwing this out there. Obviously, 1930, so it's very different. Well, now we're in the 40s. Say, now we're in the 40s. Couldn't he have said that the male practice suits for not protecting his patients that would what about practice him? suits? No. A doctor doesn't it can't do anything that's illegal. Okay. All right. No. No. So, all right. I follow you now. All right. So the court said, "You doctor do not have standing to sue on behalf of your patients." Okay. All right. So then, in like 1961. The 60s? Another doctor brings a lawsuit. All right? This time, he's got his patients involved. Okay. Right? And they're saying enforcing this law would cause problems. And the patients are saying, like, it removes our right to health care. Uh, and we could be injured by it. And the Supreme Court yeah. of the United States looks at it and says, yeah, we're going to throw this one out now. Uh, because because none of you have been threatened with prosecution or charged with a crime, so you don't have standing. What crime is of I'm trying to live? Well, you gotta remember, is that they're, wolf they're, from the puts in boots going to show up? Ah, they should have had him. What they're doing though is challenging the law that makes it a crime 
to prescribe or use these contraceptives. So what the Supreme Court oh said the God. first time. Only the doctor just started prescribing them until he got sued. It's like, did, all right, now I can counter. He did not. He did not. He did not do that. Um, oh. <laughs> however, right after. Ah, there it is. Right after that decision, uh, the case on that one was uh, called Poe. Uh, it was uh, Poe v. Ullman, the Supreme Court of the United okay. States, 1961. That case comes down in June of 1961, and the Planned Parenthood League of Connecticut turns right around, and their executive director, Estelle Griswold, uh, says, okay, well, let's start prescribing birth control to everybody. Yes! And they, There we go! They do it. They open a clinic in New Haven, Connecticut, uh, directly challenging the state laws and prescribing birth control to everybody. So the clinic opens November the 1st of 1961. Ten patients come in. Dozens of married women request appointments because they want birth control advice and prescription. On November 3rd of uh, 1961, the police show up. Okay. And say, hey, are you breaking the law? And Griswold looks at him and goes, yeah, Okay, this is one of my favorite ones you've had so far. Keep going, buddy. One week later, police detectives show up with arrest warrants. They arrest everybody. There's a one-day bench trial, meaning there's no jury, it's just a judge. They're convicted. They're fined $100 each. Okay. All right. uh, they appeal that to the circuit court and to the Supreme Connecticut Supreme Court. Both of them say, law is fine, no problem. Now, why did they do that? So that they have it on book. Right. There it is. It's called a test case. That had to be the coolest write-off ever. Like, yeah, I paid $100 to fuck with the law. I'm writing that off on my taxes. It it is called a test case. And it has a a lot of precedent in the legal realm. Uh, The Scopes Monkey Trial. You've heard of the Scopes Monkey Trial, right? Scopes Monkey? No, I do not know the Scopes Monkey Trial. It's the one where Tennessee banned... Uh, the teaching of evolution. Oh, and a school oh, teacher oh. taught it became a huge national thing. That okay. was a test case. They were looking for a teacher to challenge that law. Really? So the idea is you challenge the law by breaking the law. You're charged, okay. you're convicted, and then you appeal. Okay. The idea being to get it in front of the Supreme Court so that they review the constitutionality of the law. Okay. All right, I'm following. And there's a lot of test cases. So they specifically did this to get to the Supreme Court to say, our case is that this law is unconstitutional. Correct. Got it. Okay, I follow. Because remember, the first one was a doctor can't sue on behalf of their patients. Right. The second one was none of the patients have been charged or prosecuted or threatened with prosecution, so there's no state... Standing, and immediately after that, they go, okay, let's get convicted of the crime. There you go. Okay. Okay. Yeah, we're going to force the Supreme Court to hear it. All right. I love this. So do they make it to the Supreme Court They do. This one? They do. And you know what the Supreme Court says? What? The Supreme Court says, in Griswold v. Connecticut, the site is uh, 381 U.S. 479-1965, that the Connecticut law is... Unconstitutional. Unconstitutional. And you know why? 
There we go. Because that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. No, it is unconstitutional because they look at it and they look at the 14th Amendment to the United States Constitution and they say that 14th Amendment contains a right to privacy. Really? Among the fundamental rights in the United States Constitution is a right to privacy. And that means that the the government cannot step into your private life like that and make something illegal without a compelling state interest. When there's a constitutional challenge, there are three standards of review that can apply. One is the rational basis test. All right. And a rational basis test is, is this rationally related to a, uh, a legitimate state interest? And a legitimate state interest, we talked about it before, uh, when we said the state has a police power. It can act to regulate the health, safety, and welfare. Right? Okay, yeah. Okay. So, is this related to a rational state interest? Uh, the classic one is... Uh, somebody saying, well, you can't have advertising loudspeakers on trucks in New York City. Okay, is that a fundamental right? No, it may be related to the speech interest, but is it really a fundamental right? No. So if it's to silence political speech, then you have to have a compelling interest. But if it were just to silence this noise on it, it's rationally related. Okay. They may say, well, the reason they're doing it is to stop advertising. It's got nothing to do with the interest itself to, to stop the noise. They just don't like these advertisers. But okay. the court comes back and says, yeah, but it's rationally related. It doesn't get this higher standard here because it's not related to a specific type of speech, just the noise. And because it's rationally related, it works. Okay. Then there is an intermediate scrutiny. Uh, intermediate level of review, and that's an important state interest that it is substantially related to. Okay? Okay. So the state has to come in and say, we have an important interest in this. And everything here, are the way we're restricting it, is substantially related to enforcing that interest, like dumping somewhere. All right? And okay. then there is strict scrutiny. And strict scrutiny applies mostly to fundamental rights. All right? Okay. It is a compelling state interest, and the restriction is narrowly tailored only to serve that interest. So here, the government, Connecticut, said we have a compelling interest in the moral welfare of the public. And we are narrowly tailoring this just to apply to sexual things. And the Supreme okay. Court came back and said, yeah, but the private interest here. Well, first the state said it's, a ra- it's rationally related to our moral welfare interest. And the Supreme Court came back in Griswold and said, yeah, no, um, we're going to believe that the 14th Amendment gives a fundamental right of privacy, especially for married couples, because we're all married couples here. And that you have to show a compelling interest more than just, we believe morals of society support this. And then you have to show that this law is only as narrow as needed to enforce that. And we don't think you have a compelling interest in telling married people that they can't use contraceptives. Awesome. So, in Griswold, they struck it down. 
right? Nice. Well, you say nice, but did you miss a few of the things I just said? I, I, I caught them, but... Oh, don't say they struck it down only for married only couples. Only for married couples. You fuck! They, they found a right to marital privacy. This was 1965. Oh so unmarried people still couldn't get contraceptives until 1972. The 70s. In 1972, in the case Eisenstadt v. Baird, the United States Supreme Court looked at it again and said, okay, that whole Griswold thing where a state can't make it illegal for married couples to use contraceptives, we're extending that to unmarried couples. You can't make it illegal for anyone to use contraceptives. That's that's crazy. Uh, be- I cannot believe that took till the 70s. The, the idea was, and they actually said the, the justice who wrote it, Justice Brennan, uh, and that was a Massachusetts case, said if you only allowed it to restrict married couples, uh, the discrimination is irrational. Why Why should we only find that married couples have a right to privacy in the bedroom, but unmarried couples don't? Yeah. All right. And Grizz... Not to mention all the safety problems here. It, oh, my God. Oh, it gets better. Because... Oh! Griswold is what we call a landmark decision. Okay. A landmark decision is one that defines the law moving forward in an entire area. Griswold's the first time that the U.S. Supreme Court looked at something and said, couples have a right to privacy in the bedroom. And in order to restrict that privacy, the state has to show a compelling interest and a narrowly tailored state law that is fair in application on all parties. All right. So what decision would arise from the right to privacy and contraception and medical care? Uh, uh, What, are we talking about vasectomies and stuff? Roe v. Wade. Holy shit! Griswold's right to privacy was the underpinning of Roe v. Wade. No shit! Which is, by the way... um, the one that was just abrogated in Dobbs yeah, v. Jackson, very aware. Uh, that actually led to a right to contraception for uh, juveniles under the age of 14 if they are made pregnant. And underlies, once again, in the right to privacy and a freedom from government intrusion on private relations without a compelling state interest, 2015's Oberfell v. Hodges. 2015. 2015's Oval v. Hodges, which is the court case that did what? I have no idea. Gay marriage. Is that the gay marriage case? That is the gay marriage case. I just still don't know. I mean, you have a computer in front of you. I'm going to say that's how you know all the names of these things. Well, uh, that's part of it, yes. Uh, yeah, it's part of it. <laughs> like, like, I'm not going to say it's not part of it. It certainly is. <laughs> oh, damn, the, other part, the other part is you learn these cases, right? Oh, I'm sure, yeah. So, in 1965, the United States Supreme Court decides that married couples have a right to privacy. And one of the first times the U.S. Supreme Court has determined the Constitution contains a fundamental constitutional right to privacy in your bedroom. Now, granted, like I said, only for married couples. It wouldn't be until the 70s that would extend to everybody. So let's go to okay. let's go to Georgia. 
1986. Let's not. Let's <laughs> 1986 Georgia. All right. So there is a a bartender. All right. Uh, a guy named Michael Hardwick. All right. Okay. Michael Hardwick's in Atlanta in 1982, July of that year. He works at a gay bar. He walks outside and he uh, throws a beer bottle into a trash can. Okay. Right? The cop sees this and says, oh, that guy was obviously drinking in public. So he goes over, he issues a citation to Hardwick. Okay. All right, says, you, you were drinking in public, here's your ticket. Now, it's Atlanta in 1982, and this cop's outside of a gay bar, so draw your own conclusions as to why he was there likely to Following. harass yeah harass the fuck out of everybody in the area exactly right. yeah so there's a clerical error on the citation hardwick misses his court date the cop applies for and gets a warrant for hardwick's arrest for missing the court date all right Hardwick finds out he missed the court date, goes down to the courthouse, pays the $50 fine. The cop, uh, uh, Keith Torek, goes, yeah, okay. But three weeks later, shows up to Hardwick's house with his now-invalid warrant and goes in the door to serve an arrest warrant on Hardwick. All right? Which he cannot do because the warrant is out of date. Right. Okay. But but he's going to say, he's going to say, Later, that he wasn't aware that Hardwick had paid the fine, so he thought the warrant was still good. Which, remember, we covered a while back, an honest mistake. Yeah, yeah. All right. So Tork goes in the house, uh, saying that the door was open at the time. There's a guest on the couch who's like, no, uh, it wasn't. Uh, but the officer says, no, it was. Uh, the officer wakes up the guest. The guest says, well, Hardwick's in the back bedroom. Cop goes down the hallway, opens Hardwick's bedroom door, and finds Hardwick and a male cons- uh, male companion engaged in mutual, consensual, oral sex. Okay. All right. So Wednesday, got it. Hardwick's pissed off. He's getting a blowy, a cop just shows up. Yeah. All right. And Hardwick says... I'm going to get you fired. How dare you come in my house like this? I'm going to file a report. And Torque's like, you know what? Fine. And he arrests Hardwick for sodomy. Which at that point in time is illegal under Georgia law. Let's talk about sodomy. Ah, yes. The topic that I can. Yes. All right. I stopped what I was saying before I said something stupid. I'm the best co-host. So, there are two types of criminal offenses. In general. There's something called... You're like murder and sodomy. I'm going to lose... I can't deal with that. You either kill somebody or you fuck them up the ass. One of the two. There Um, you go. The only two crimes. Either way, you'll get arrested. Maybe. It is. Well, actually, that's kind of a good way to put it. Uh, because, oh, God damn it. because what we're talking about when I say two types is malum and say and malum prohibitum. Not real words. Continue. Both real words. Latin. Um, not working Scrabble. Latin. Can I use them in Scrabble? I don't know. Can you use Latin in Scrabble? No, not okay. real words. Um, so malum and say. What do you think that is? Uh, I'm going to go... 
So this sounds like malicious and and accidental. Well, no, no, no. malum in se. Okay, if it's force, if it's pro se, what what does it mean when somebody's before the court pro se? Uh, alone, right? For themselves. Yeah, yeah. Al- oh, sorry. Themselves. Yeah. All right. Okay. So say means self. Right, self. Malum, self, okay. and, and you hit it a minute ago. You said malice. But what does malice mean? Malice, uh, uh, aggression, injury, uh, I mean... What does mal uh, mean in Latin? Mal, it's that dude that uh, was in my bed when the cop didn't show up. <laughs> well, let's think about it. Okay, so malice, malformed, malicious. Malform. M- misfor- okay, so... Malformed, uh, bad. Bad. Just mal is bad. bad. Malice, bad thought, bad intent. Okay. Malformed, badly formed. Okay. So, malum, badly. Badly. In say. Badly to self? Bad in itself. Bad in itself. Malum in se. It is something that is bad, that is evil. We actually say evil. Uh, is something that is evil in itself. The act okay. is, eagle, is evil. That is why it is illegal, because it is a bad act. No matter right. how you look okay. at it. So, murder, the taking malum of another human life, malum in se. Okay. Malum prohibitum. Mal, malum bad because it's prohibited. Exactly. Bad because we've decided it's bad. We've decided it's a moral thing. Stealing, bad. That's malum yeah. per se. No, yeah, malum in no. se. It would be stealing, malum taking something from somebody else. Speeding is probably malum prohibitum. It's bad because we've decided it's bad. Okay. All right, all right. So that's that's a little more gray in the middle, but I get that. Okay. And the distinction can even be more, and this is very generally putting it, but you could say that malum in se is a crime that harms someone else. It's bad to harm other people. Okay. In and of itself. Whereas malum prohibitum is a crime that harms nobody else. It's just illegal. If it's harmful, it's harmful to you. And that's it. Okay. So marijuana, huh? Marijuana would be totally illegal. If it was illegal, it would be. Uh, that would be the the second one. Malum prohibitum. It doesn't or, harm anybody else. It's just harmful because we've decided it's harmful. Interesting. Right. Okay. So sodomy, consensual sodomy. Okay. All right. Would be. Malum prohibitum. Malum prohibitum. It's bad because we have decided it's bad. It's yeah. not, if it's consensual, it's not harming anybody else. Right. Well, the, the offense that we would say is against society at large, not anyone else, to the extent Amazing. there would be an offense. And sodomy itself, what is sodomy? Fun. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's let's drill yeah. let's drill that response down a little more. Um, <laughs> the act of two people having a little bit of fun that they should fucking be able to do. 
Uh, well, let's go to a legal definition of sodomy. Oh, a legal definition of sodomy? Yeah, I, I truly want right now to just pull up the clip from uh, just old cartoons. Boning! <laughs> sodomy is sex. Sodomy is sex. Uh, sodomy is what type of sex? Is sodomy just oral? No. Okay. No. Sodomy is anything other than penis and vagina. Wait, really? Yep. I've been using that term wrong. There are two types of sodomy. Oh, I got to go tell Zan we're not sodomists anymore. Sodomy per anum. Oh, I think I figured that yeah, one out. That one's pretty easy to figure out. You want to say it. Go ahead and say it. You want to say it, and I already know you want to say it. Fun stuff! <laughs> and sodomy per os. Oh, that's to the orgasm. Sodomy. So, so oral sodomy and oral sodomy, anal sodomy. Oral and hey, anal. Both are sodomy. People have no idea how many more versions there are. Like, did they not even have fucking aerial harnesses yet at this time? So, There's so many other. Fun. Okay, continue. So, July 1982, the cop shows up in Hardwick's house. He walks into the bedroom and he finds two men engaging in sodomy per os. Okay. Now, at that time, the Georgia law was written to say all sodomy is illegal. Okay. All right. Doesn't matter who, doesn't matter what. All sodomy is illegal. All right. So, so hold on really quick. Just so I, I, you're telling me screwing your wife up the ass. Was illegal. Sodomy. Yep. And that was illegal in Georgia. That was illegal in Georgia in 1982. Fucking kink shaming assholes. All right. So he gets arrested. Hardwick gets arrested, right? He gets charged. Uh, sodomy is, at that point, uh, a felony that carries 1 to 20 years in prison. What? Yeah. You're going to put them for 20 years in the place so they can find infinite sodomy? You have not looked at this law, Georgia. And, to be clear, the Georgia law, it didn't care about consent. Didn't care if everybody was okay with it. Because That's the so crime funny. was malum prohibitum. Georgia so took the position it was a crime against uh, against society at large. <sighs> All right. So they're, they're arrested. Uh, and I was going to say they were charged. And they were, they were charged, actually. Um, but the district attorney, a, a guy named Louis Slayton, looks at the charges and immediately says, yeah, we're going to drop them. Is this because the original case had the wrong date? On That's, his, part of uh, it. That's part of it. That's part of it. Okay. The other part of it is Lewis Slayton just believed that the sodomy law shouldn't be used to prosecute anything but non-consensual sodomy, despite how it was written. Good. His personal I mean, belief was it, if it's consensual, why the fuck are we prosecuting it? Thank you. Okay, great. All right. Hardwick sues the state attorney general. Uh, now Hardwick was the cop, right? You no, know, Hardwick was the, the, I don't want to say sodomite, but in this case, that's what he would have been. Yeah, Hardwick no, I, was I the gay man. All right. And he's suing the attorney general of the state, the, the party who defends all of Georgia's laws, the head okay, lawyer okay. Of, of the entire state. Uh, and what he seeks is a uh, declaratory judgment, a judgment out of a federal court that says the Georgia law is invalid and it can't be enforced. 
Right. Now, okay. he hadn't been charged. Remember? Yet. It was thrown yep. out. Yep. So what do you think happened? It's same thing that happened to our first case. They wouldn't hear the case because he did not meet one of the standards. Absolutely wrong. Oh, good. What happened? He said that as a non-celibate gay man, at some point in time, he was going to be prosecuted for sodomy. And remember what I said. Somebody who has been affected by the law or is going to be affected by the law. I forgot going to, actually. Okay. Like, like not it's questionable they may be, but the law is definitely going to impact them. Okay, follow. All right. So, they hear the case. All right. It goes up to the Supreme Court. And actually, there's a fun little fact here that you're probably going to like, uh, which is a heterosexual married couple joined in the lawsuit. Because anal? Yeah, because anal. They they, they were only defined as John and Mary Doe, which, you know, are are what we use when we don't want to say your name. So they're like, yeah, no, we want to join in the sodomy lawsuit. We also don't want our names on the sodomy lawsuit. Uh, Understandable at that time. But... But they're, I mean, it's not like they're on a podcast just talking about sodomy, yelling butt stuff as loud as they can, right? so that the neighbors stopped mowing their lawn. Throwing that out there, the lawnmower stopped across the yard right as I yelled butt stuff. So, so we're having fun. So the the straight couple joins in like, yeah, we want to do butt stuff, and we can't because of the law. Uh, now, they, they actually, though, uh, don't get standing. Wait, they didn't. They they, 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 they do not really get standing. Quick. I mean, they couldn't enter the suit. They couldn't enter they couldn't the suit. Part of the, they couldn't why? be part of the lawsuit because they're a straight couple. Just you're saying that like that should trick. No, so straight couples can have sex without breaking the sodomy law. A gay man cannot. A straight couple by virtue of having relations in the non-illegal manner, oh, it's still possible. Your oh. standing can't just be, I want to break the law. Your standing has to be, there's no way for me to live in a manner that doesn't okay. break the law. Legally, I understand what you are saying, but I want to be, there's like, nah, you can't do that to her. And her like, yes, he can. So this goes up to the United States. Oh, no, hold on, wait. Did they have contraception laws in that state? Oh, because they had already can't struck- fucking use it. This was 1982. The contraception had already been stricken down. Fuck. All right. So Bowers v. Hardwick, 478 U.S. 186 is a 1986 case. It goes to the Supreme Court. And the question before the Supreme Court. U.S. Supreme Court. U.S. Supreme Georgia. Court. The question before the U.S. Supreme Court in that case is, given that there is a right to privacy in the bedroom for consensual personal sexual conduct. Okay. All right. And that since 1972, because that comes out of Griswold in 1965, and since 1972, that has been extended to even unmarried couples. All right. How can Georgia outlaw sodomy? Sounds like they can't. Please tell me that this was the... Oh, God. I can see the cam and I see your face and I'm not going to like the answer. In the decision, 
which uh, God damn it. which Bowers v. Hardwick in the decision, the United States Supreme Court goes into an entire discussion of the historical morality of homosexual oh, sex. Come on. And comes back and says, based on that, we do not believe there is a fundamental privacy right to engage in sodomy. And we accept, we accept George's position that for the welfare of the community, they can prohibit even consensual sodomy. Oh, that is so fucked up. Now, they base this in no small part on the fact that the Georgia law outlaws both straight and gay consensual sodomy. Oh, fuck them. So they say, because it's not a discriminatorily written law, and because we find out that there is no uh, right privacy right to private consensual sexual conduct that harms the welfare of the community, only the rational basis test applies. And this restriction is rationally related to the government's interest in sexual welfare, immoral welfare. Oh, my God. The majority... I'm going to have nightmares about the term moral welfare for the rest of my life. Thank you for that. Justice White, who writes the the opinion for the court, Justice Byron Wright, states... If the respondent's submission is limited to the voluntary sexual conduct between consenting adults, it would be difficult, except by fiat, to limit the claimed right to homosexual conduct while leaving exposed to prosecution, adultery, incest, and other sexual crimes, even though they are committed in the home. We are unwilling to start down that road. You're shitting me. You're... No! You can't have gay sex because if we let you happen, everyone's going to marry a cow. Oh, God, they're still using the same fucking arguments. And they did this. You know how I said there's that whole discussion about the moral history in Bowers uh, of uh, gay bad, right? He Right. White says... Whether the Constitution confers a fundamental right of homosexuals to engage in sodomy, it must be answered in the negative. Because to claim that a right to engage in such conduct is deeply rooted in this nation's history and tradition or implicit in the concept of ordered liberty is, at best, facetious. Chief Justice uh, Warren Berger of the court? I know that name. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. comes in and points out and what we call a concurring opinion. All right, comes concurring in, opinion, okay. That means I agree with you, but I, I you know, I want to write my own thing on why I agree okay. with you. Okay. He says, William Blackstone, and you'll recognize that name from our prior discussion, the yeah. preeminent legal jurist of England, oh had characterized God. sodomy as a crime not fit to be named and deeper, more deeply maligned than rape. Consensual gay sex, according to William Blackstone and Chief Justice Warren E. Berger, was worse than rape in 1986. 
I don't want to live on this planet anymore. Berger concludes his opinion saying to hold that the act of homosexual sodomy is somehow protected as a fundamental right would be to cast aside a millennia of moral teaching. Yes, let's do that. So 1986 Hardwick had challenged the Georgia sodomy law uh, and it came back saying, yeah, no, we're going to let it stand. We're gonna let we're gonna let it stand because we think that uh, that that would not be included in the privacy right, and that is the state of America's law in two, in uh, 1986, and it remains the state of America's law for almost 20 years. Holy shit! Each state, if their state constitutions allowed it could outlaw gay sex of any type. Now, does that mean all states did? No. Uh, The state I grew up in, Kentucky. Kentucky had an anti-sodomy law that was written a lot like Georgia's. Uh, But when a case in Kentucky got to the Kentucky Supreme Court regarding specifically that set of circumstances, the same one we're looking at in Hardwick, the Kentucky Supreme Court said... Our Constitution provides more protection than the U.S. Constitution. And we find that the sodomy law is unenforceable as to consensual sodomy. Okay. So states would come back and say, yeah, you got to get rid of that. But nationwide, there was no ban. And that leads us to our favorite state and the case that we need to understand today. Okay. Okay. So we've charted now. In Griswold, there was established a right to privacy relating to sexual matters between married adults. And that was then extended to unmarried couples. All right. And it underpins a lot of decisions in the U.S., that right to privacy. But in 1986, the United States said, well, that right to privacy doesn't need to be strict scrutiny if it applies equally to everybody because our moral background in the United States allows us to say the government has an interest in outlawing consensual uh, sodomy, all right? And related to that moral welfare uh, and the even application of the law in theory to all parties, we're going to allow Georgia to prosecute gay men for having consensual sex. All right? All right. So, let's go to Texas. 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 Now, Texas. Okay. Texas has had, had had at that point for a long time an anti sodomy statute. Okay. All right. It's 1998. There are 10 states, all right, that bar consensual sodomy regardless of who's having it. Alabama, Florida, Idaho, Louisiana, Mississippi, North Carolina, South Carolina, Michigan, Utah, and Virginia. Those states, doesn't matter whether it's gay or straight, no sodomy. You can't get a blowy in Idaho as a man and wife without breaking the law. And the state can prosecute you if you do. All right. This is sounding so much like the handmaiden's tale, just nothing but Peter Pan's. Four states outlaw same-sex sodomy. Only same-sex sodomy. 
Wasn't that? Didn't we already discuss that's unconstitutional? And Hardwick didn't address that, did they? They said you oh, can enforce, but they didn't. They didn't address. You can't address a law that's not challenged. Okay. Okay. Got it. Got it. So Texas, Kansas, Oklahoma, and Missouri say anal and oral sex is illegal, but only for only for queers. Okay. Only the gays can't do that. Sounds right. All right. So it is 1998, September 17th, 1998. Uh, John Geds Lawrence Jr., he's a a gay 55-year-old veteran and medical technologist. Okay. Uh, He invites a couple friends over to his apartment. Uh, Tyron Gardner, who's 31 years old, and a 40-year-old guy named Robert Eubanks. And they're all hanging out at the apartment. They've been, uh, Lawrence and Eubanks, they've been friends since Eubanks was 20 years old. And uh, Lawrence was 35 years old, so he liked the young meat. There you go. All right. Uh, So they're there. And they had, like, for years been on-again, off-again lovers. Okay. Uh, Since, like, 1990, since, like, eight years prior. Uh, They had been on-again, off-again lovers. So, um, like, Garner and Eubanks. Not, Not Lawrence and Eubanks, I'm sorry. So no, okay, gotcha, gotcha. So Lawrence is like, hey, come on over, hang out. Uh, Lawrence and Eubanks, friends for 20 years. Uh, Garner and Eubanks, on again, off again, lovers for the last eight years. They're all there. Uh, Garner and Eubanks got no way to get home. And they've been drinking heavily all night. Uh, and Eubanks says, I'm going to walk down to the vending machine down the street. I'm going to grab myself a soda. All right. Okay. Uh, so Garner gets up and leaves. Right, or Eubanks gets up okay. and leaves, and he's pissed though, like he's mad. And why is he mad? Well, Garner and Eubanks were on again, off again lovers, but they were apparently off at that time. And Lawrence and Garner were flirting in front of him. Okay, all right. Now this comes into play. Uh, Lawrence is white. Eubanks is white. Oh, no. Garner is not. Garner's African-American. Okay. So Eubanks leaves the apartment to go get his soda, calls the cops, and says, There's a black man going crazy at my friend John's place. Oh, my God. And the 1998 Texas Sheriff's Department responds exactly how you think they would. Oh, they God. show up. They burst into the apartment. They, as they burst in, they run back to the bedroom to clear it. And things get interesting because one of them says that they saw Lawrence and Garner having anal sex. Another one says they saw Lawrence and Garner having oral sex. Two of the four officers say, we didn't see them having any sex. All right. Lawrence starts saying, What are you doing in my home? You can't just come into my home like this. You're just bursting in here. And the uh, the lead sheriff's deputy says, I'm going to charge both of you with sodomy. Fucking fuck. Yep. He actually calls the district attorney to make sure that he can. And the district attorney responds with... The homosexual conduct law, apparently that was the name of their anti-sodomy statute, uh, 
uh, made, it, on the nose. Got made it. it a misdemeanor to engage in sodomy with another individual of the same sex. So he arrests them for having deviant sex under that law. In their own home. And, and you In uh, Lawrence's own home. Okay. Uh, Eubanks, meanwhile, gets charged with filing a false police report and spends 30 days in jail, but is released early. Okay. Right. Now, this is 1998. And remember how we talked about Griswold v. Connecticut and test cases? Yeah. So while these two guys are awaiting their trial for deviant sexual intercourse, which would end typically in just a fine... Lambda Legal, which is an LGBTQIA legal organization. It's like the gay ACLU. Nice. Okay. Contacts them and says, plead no contest to the charges. Say, don't plead guilty. Don't plead innocent. Just say, we're not going to contest the charges so that you'll be found guilty. Now, what would happen a lot of times in these things, if they wanted to protect people, is if they had shown up to challenge it, the justice of the peace may have said, okay, um, well, I'm not going to let them convict you of this. I've got to throw it out. Or would say, I'll change the charge to something else. Okay. Or would say, I'm not going to fine you. All right? That was real typical with these types of offenses then. Basically, the idea being it keeps the law from being challenged. And a lot of guys who were arrested for these things didn't want a police record saying, I'm gay. This is 1998. You remember the late 90s. I remember the late 90s. Yeah. So it was actually really typical then. Lambda Legal tells them, no, plead no contest, waive your right to trial. They do that. The judge finds them guilty and poses a $100 fine. All right. Okay. But the defense attorneys from Lambda Legal realize that in order to appeal a conviction in Texas, the fine has to be $125. Oh, my God. All right. So what do the defense lawyers do? What, break another law? They They ask the judge, since the fine was at the bottom range of the fine for the offense. They asked the judge to give him a higher fine. And That's the, amazing. And the judge sitting there going, oh, they're going to use this to appeal our sodomy law, does it? Really? He finds them $125, and the prosecutor agrees to it. Really? So at that point, everybody is aware. Everybody's aware that this is going to lead to an appeal of the sodomy law. So, okay, that's really right. fucking cool. So they were all in on it. They were all wanted this to be repealed. The judge, the prosecutor. Like, and that's the re- that's a fair reading, to be honest. Like, everybody's like, yeah, okay, let's challenge this. Like, this is obviously what they're doing. They're going to challenge the sodomy law. Yeah. Because the legislature's not fucking repealing it. So, all right. So, there's another hurdle. In addition to the fine, in order to appeal it, there has to be a trial in the criminal court. They had to have a trial. They had to have a trial. So what do they do? What, do they appeal the motion and then plead not guilty? They ask the court to dismiss 
the charges. They asked the criminal court. They take an appeal from the lower court's 125, asking that court to dismiss the charges. Okay. Saying it's a 14th Amendment equal protection violation. The law is unconstitutional and should not be enforced because it only applies to same-sex couples, not heterosexual couples, which, you'll remember, was part of the reason Bowers said the sodomy law was okay because, in theory, it applied to everyone. This law only applied to gay people. Agree. Okay, yeah, I'm following that. All right, and said they that the right to privacy in the Supreme Court's decision in Bowers v. Hardwick uh, was wrongly decided. It, it was a okay. wrong decision. All right, the judge denies the motions to dismiss. They then again plead no contest, and the judge fines them two hundred dollars, which everyone had agreed would be the fine amount. Everybody okay. involved knows exactly what's happening here. This, this is, is a this is a test case now. That officer fucked up because yeah, because in his zeal to enforce this law, he has set them up with a test case that everybody's willing to take forward. Like Lambda Legal's looking at it, going, "There was no other criminal activity other than having consensual gay sex." And the prosecutor, everybody's like. Oh. Okay, yeah, we'll let you appeal this. Like, we'll set it up. Let's go. Amazing. All right. This is amazing. Okay, I love this. So it goes up to the Texas 14th Court of Appeals. Okay. That Court of Appeals says, law is unconstitutional. That that, that Texas court says, law is unconstitutional. That's not even the Texas Supreme Court. That's no, just one of the that, appeals. Court. But that can happen, you know, like a, 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 a an immediate intermediate court and say law is unconstitutional. Oh, okay. In our state, you know. Now, and then if you disagree, you appeal it up to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court can say oh. yes or no. Oh, oh, okay. Right. Yeah, no, of course that makes perfect sense. Got it. So one of the three judges, because when you do this, you'll have like nine, ten, fifteen, twenty judges sitting on a circuit court. All right. Okay. But they only hear it in panels of three. So this okay. three judge panel, two of them say it's unconstitutional. One of them says it's not. It becomes unconstitutional. The Court of Appeals, without any motion and not hearing any argument, says we're going to review it in bonk. And in bonk is just Latin meaning the whole court's going to hear it. Every judge on the case is going to review this now. Every judge on the court. So okay. they review it in bonk and in bonk without any argument. The court comes back. There were nine judges on the court at that time and say, yeah, we think it's constitutional now. So they reverse the panel decision. Okay. All right. So that gets, uh, that goes up. It's constitutional. They asked the criminal court of appeals to hear it, which is the highest appellate court. It's like the, the Texas Supreme court for criminal matters. Okay. In 2002, after one year of delay, the Texas Criminal Court of Appeals says, we're not going to hear it. We don't want to. Which Supreme Courts can do that sometimes. Oh. Like, like, yeah, you don't have, you have a right to appeal to the intermediate court. You don't have an unfettered right to appeal to the Supreme Court a lot of the time. And that's the same in the U.S. federal system, too. See, I thought it was just they had to show that it was a constitutional right. I didn't no, know they you, you have choose a, not to hear it. We call them appeals as of right um, and appeals by petition. Okay, An appeal as okay. of right is you always have a right to appeal to that court. 
So from a okay. trial court, you always have a right to appeal. Like, let's put it in the federal system, all right? If a U.S. district court issues a decision, you always have a right to appeal that decision to the circuit court, the intermediate court. And okay. the intermediate court will always hear it. They don't get to say, no, we're not going to hear it unless, like, it shouldn't be appealed, period. Okay. But from the circuit court, you don't have an appeal as of right. You have an appeal by petition, and that means you petition the highest court to hear the case. And the highest court can say, no. We don't, we're no. not going to hear it. So okay. they appeal to the highest court, and the highest court says, no, we're not going to hear it. At which point they say, well, the highest court in Texas, they're a bunch of cowards. That's almost a direct quote. Like the lawyer. Really? The, the Harris County prosecutor. Like Lambda Legal is like, this is a major abdication of judicial responsibility by the highest appeal court in Texas. And the prosecutor's like, these judges are big chickens and they'll avoid any hot potato cases. It's like, I love it. everybody is just calling these judges uh, cowards. So, this is great. When you argue that there is a federal issue with the state law, all right, uh, and it's been heard all the way up, or the Supreme Court of that state has an opportunity heard it, even if they've refused it, you have one last level of appeal. You can appeal a federal question, a question of state law, or a question of federal law, from the state Supreme Court to the United States Supreme Court. Okay. So when the state Supreme Court said, we're not going to hear it, they gave these guys the right to, to ask the United States Supreme Court to hear the case because the question is one of federal law. The U.S. Constitution would bar this. I love it. All right. And in December of 2002, the United States Supreme Court agrees to hear the case. Badass, okay. And that, and you're going to know this case if you haven't picked up on it already, because everybody knows this case. Lawrence v. Texas, 539 U.S. 558, 2003. Badass, okay, okay. So he got to skip the Texas Supreme Court because they said no. Because they said, we're not going to hear it. Right. Therefore. So it goes... <clears throat> to the U.S. Supreme Court, and how do you think it turns out? Based on everything we've heard today, how do you think it turns out? They, Texas, they, they gotta... Texas, first of all, is arguing the same thing that Georgia argued back in Bowers. But this time, it's not car blanche. Right. They're, not, they're uh... saying the United States, uh, the rational basis should should apply. Texas, in the consideration of the morals of its welfare, of its citizens has the right to outlaw consensual homosexual conduct in private, and we only are required to do that by establishing it is rationally related, that our ban is rationally related to that interest. I got to go with no. No, they, they, they said, yep, can't have it with same sex and not same sex. You have to have both or neither. They actually go further. Really? The United States Supreme Court looked at it and said, you cannot outlaw private consensual sexual conduct just because you don't like it. Love it. 
You can outlaw it for other reasons. You can outlaw it because it causes harm to the people involved. But you can't use morals as the excuse to outlaw private sexual conduct between consenting adults. Yay! And further goes in to say, um, yeah, we don't even have to address whether or not uh, it, it would be applicable that the law, whether the law would be okay if it applies to straight people too. Because first of all, you are applying this unevenly. Even if you have that interest, you're applying it unevenly. You can't say sodomy is bad, but only when men do it. Only when two men do it. Uh, you can't do that. And it, it ends up resulting in an unequal result. You're punishing gay people more than you would punish anyone else. And you remember what I said the name of the statute was? No, I don't. What was it? The Homosexual Conduct Statute. That's right. That's right. So they come back in and say, yeah, um, by the way, there's no question this was targeted. Just at one class of people and not the other ones. Yeah. Because you called it the Homosexual Conduct Statute. Now, that's all from the concurrence by Justice O'Connor, but that's the whole thing. Is saying you can't just say rational basis. And that overturned a state's ability to outlaw private consensual conduct between two men in their home with the sodomy laws. Now, does that end it? No. Because Why not? in doing it, the court in Lawrence v. Texas basically came back and looked at Bowers and said... By the way, we think this reasoning's bullshit. We think the long moral history, meaning that the framers could framers of the Constitution could not have intended for any interest, a privacy interest in the Constitution to apply to gay men, we think that's bullshit. Well, fuck you. All right. Uh, we don't think they had it. As a matter of fact, here is the exact quote. Had those who drew and ratified the due process clauses of the Fifth Amendment or the Fourteenth Amendment known the components of liberty in its manifold possibilities, they might have been more specific. They did not presume to have this insight. They knew times can blind us to certain truths, and later generations can see that laws, once thought necessary and proper, in fact serve only to oppress. As the Constitution endures... Persons in every generation can invoke its principles in their own search for greater freedoms. Basically saying the drafters of the Constitution left it open because morals and society will change. And how that applies can be used to oppress people. And when it does, they have a right to seek out the Constitution to redress their wrongs and gain the greater freedoms that they are now due. I love it. I love it. And that is how sodomy, gay sex, became legal throughout the United States as consensual conduct. Because unlike Bowers v. Hardwick, which was saying, yeah, there's no question if your law restricts both of them, 
it's legal. And, you know, maybe it just applies to gay people, too. This one said, under no set of circumstances does the United States have the right, any state in the United States have the right to reach into your bedroom and outlaw your private sexual conduct. Love it. It actually, and I I love uh, that at one point in this, they actually say, uh, you know, we, we don't even have to, yeah, here it is. The present case does not involve minors. It does not involve persons who might be injured or coerced or who are situated in relationships where consent might not be easily refused. It does not involve public conduct or prosec- uh, prostitution. It does not involve whether the government must give formal recognition to any relationship that homosexual persons seek to enter. The case does involve two adults who, with full and mutual consent from each other, engaged in sexual practices common to a homosexual lifestyle. The petitioners are entitled to respect for their private lives. The state cannot demean their existence or control their destiny by making their private sexual conduct a crime. Their right to liberty under the Due Process Clause gives them the full right to engage in their conduct without intervention of the government. It is the promise of the Constitution that there is a realm of personal liberty which the government may not enter. The Texas statute furthers no legitimate state interest which can justify its intrusion into the personal and private life of the individual. Essentially saying... Nobody's being harmed. I love it. And what these two people do in the privacy of their bedroom does not in any way impede or or harm the public morality in a way that would allow you to do it. And in that opinion, they actually say, had they included straight people in that statute and were prosecuting it against straight people, which... We all know they haven't been. Yeah, no shit. It would already have been struck down. That's amazing. Uh, So that's that. Now, here's the unfortunate part. (laughs) And this is why I say this now. Uh, This decision was 2003. Okay. Queer people have only had the right to engage in consensual sexual conduct free from the interference of the government in the privacy of their own homes for 20 years. You and I both remember when this decision came down. Yeah. Neither one of us knew all the history behind it at the time, but we remember it. No, I, definitely I remember being in a bar at that point in time and everybody celebrating this decision. God. Oh, my God. And last year in the Dobbs case, they attacked the concept of the fundamental right to privacy. In... in disregarding stare decisis to roll back a woman's right to choose in Planned Parenthood, it now calls into question Griswold v. Connecticut and all of its progeny, all the cases that are now based on the privacy interest that was found in there. And that is not alarmism because 
in some of the opinions related to the Dobbs case, members of the court specifically said that they think Griswold may have been wrongly decided. Holy shit. And if we lose Griswold, we lose its progeny. We lose the constitutional basis that arises from the right to privacy, including the right to be free from government intrusion in your private consensual sexual conduct in your home, be it LGBTQIA related or straight. I don't want to live on this planet anymore. And that, my friends, is why the elder queers are pissed. <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah. Because we remember the time where being yourself could get you arrested in 14 states. Even, even the youngers of us, the ones like Alkali and I, who are just in our 40s, are going... In our lifetime, while yeah. we were engaging in this conduct. Um, oh, yeah. In Michigan sometimes. You could be arrested for engaging in that conduct. Um, yeah, oh. Michigan's right there. There you go. Fuck me. So, fuck yeah, no, don't. No, like, if it gets repealed, no, don't. No, 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 for now. Don't, don't. For now, no, fuck no. me. We'll watch the law, and then afterwards... Uh, I guess I'm getting a vagina. So for Pride Month this month, we're going to, right off the bat, say congratulations in Lawrence v. Texas, which really consolidated that and laid the ground. And for all the people, especially uh, Mr. Lawrence and Mr. Gardner, uh, you may wonder what, what happened to them after the after the fact. Um, yeah. Well, John Lawrence uh, died in 2011. He, he died of a heart condition uh, at the age of 68 in 2011. His uh, longtime partner, um, Jose Garcia, uh, reported his death on that. Uh, Tyrone Gardner uh, actually died of a health condition uh, several years prior to that. Uh, so both Mr. Gardner and Mr. Lawrence uh, have passed on that. Our uh, heroes. And have fallen out of history. But uh, there is, since their passing, um, statements made by attorneys who represent them in the case that, that have said these people were just amazingly brave. Uh, John Lawrence was a veteran. He was a gay veteran. Uh, and he got out and he went back and he was angry. Like his lawyers just say, he was angry with a sense of injustice that after his service, he could be treated like that for no other reason than he was gay and he was having sex with another man when the police yeah. rammed into his home. That's so fucked. So, that is so fucked. So for this Pride Month, cherish the state of the law we have and understand that where we are now is built on the shoulders of those who would not take injustice lying down and those who were willing to risk their their names and their reputations at a time period where it was considered shameful to do so that was not that long ago in our history here here uh and that is 
the evolution of privacy interests leading to constitutional sodomy as a result Son of Lawrence v. Texas. That's amazing. That is amazing. Oh, dude. Good journey on that one, except for the end. Yeah, no, the end sucks. Um, yeah, no, I don't I, like a question mark at the end of the end in this case. Well, And I'm going to be honest, it's not the end. Listen, I, I have met in my time frame a good number of the young queers. And those kids are going to burn shit down if you start oh, taking yeah. rights away from them. Like, that's just going to oh, happen. Oh, yeah. But the idea is whenever you hear somebody say, oh, well, we've got all the rights now, we've got court-granted rights now. And they could be taken away. Because yeah. as we saw with Roe v. Wade, all it takes is the highest court saying, yeah, we think everything else was wrongfully decided. We One case, if they go back and say, we think Griswold v. Connecticut is wrong, the underpinnings of every decision from the privacy interest go away. Oh, and the vast number of determinations uh, in support of LGBTQIA rights in the United States derive not from discrimination but from privacy interests and the right of people to be fair. So don't stop Holy fighting shit. because the fight's not done. Oh. It took decades to get to this point. And now that we've gotten to this point and we've been here for, what, eight years now? Yeah. Eight years this month. Oberfell v. Hodges was decided. We can't lean back and rest on our laurels because the assaults of the people that want to take those rights away are not over. And they are trying to call a mulligan and get another round of playthrough on discrimination. But until that happens, you can fight back. You can pressure your legislators. You can pressure against all of this. You can push for people who will appoint judges that will not go by. If you're in a state where you can vote for your state Supreme Court judges, look at their look at their determinations. Look at how they view the Constitution and vote for ones that agree with that philosophy, that the Constitution is a living document that we reinterpret to, uh, as time progresses. Very much so. And no matter what, when you're done doing that, go home, have a little consensual sodomy. It's constitutional. Ah, my favorite way to end, begin, and midpoint of night. Wee. So, folks, that is Boozy's Legal Funhouse, Constitutional Sodomy. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, I am your host, Boozy Badger. With me, as always, is our certified legal layman, Alkali. Alkali, tell them where they can find you. You can find us over on twitch.tv slash Alkali and Zanny. That's A-L-K-A-L-I and X-A-N-N-I. Spelled it right that time. We stream four nights a week. Hope you join us sometime tonight's uh, Jackbox. Yeah. We're doing Pride Jackbox, so that'll be fun and constitutional, and, and right? You, you all do Jackbox, right? what, uh, every Monday, don't you? Monday night, yeah. 7 p.m. Central. That's correct. Go. And if you want to support the show, you can do that over at uh, patreon.com slash lawyers and liquor. You can also go over and support Alkaline and Zanny at patreon.com slash the dragon show. Yay. And with that said, folks, thank you for listening and you have a wonderful rest of your day. Good night, everyone. <laughs>